0: Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today, we're reading Matthew chapter 2. This is what it says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and his, and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judah, Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. So I just want to make a couple of observations about the book of Matthew based on this text. While I'm reading, um, whenever I'm reading something like this, I'm looking for questions that kind of spark my curiosity or things that are really resonating really strongly with me. In this case, as I read it, and I also used my Bible app to listen to it. Um, which I highly recommend as a busy person, if you are a busy person um like me, there are a lot of great audio Bible apps available for your phone. Sometimes listening to the scripture being read to you is really great because you notice different things. Hopefully, as I was reading it, you're listening to the scripture. Um, and that's it, you help helps you notice different things than than reading it. So I listened to it. Later on, I came back and read it. Um, and here's what I noticed. One, there's a lot of mysterious dreams in this passage. The wise men have a dream that changes their plans. Joseph's plans change not less than three times because of dreams in this one chapter, not to mention even the dream he had in uh, the previous chapter. And so I just really wonder, what did that look like? Like, is that just how God spoke to Joseph? I'm I'm so curious about all the dreaming that's going on and God showing up in dreams, but the text doesn't really give us any more information about it. It's just kind of a matter of fact um, that that's how it happened. And I just wonder, like, is that, was that Joseph's way? Is that the way that God, you know, generally spoke to Joseph? That's how he heard from God. Um, the second thing is really preparation for us as we get ready to read this gospel. Matthew is generally accepted as the most Jewish of the Gospels. Um, And by that, I mean, it seems to clearly have been written to a Jewish audience. And there's one really telling piece of evidence that supports that um, position. And that's just the sheer volume of Old Testament references. So when you compare it to like the Gospel of Luke, uh, you know, by, by contrast, Luke has more of a Gentile tone to it. Its audience um, is not as familiar with the Old Testament, maybe. So Luke doesn't spend as much time trying to link uh, Jesus's story and history with the Old Testament background. But Matthew really, really seems to want his audience to know that the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. In just these few verses, he has referenced prophets Micah, Hosea, and Jeremiah, as well as the book of 2 Samuel. Now, personally, I love connections between the Old and New Testaments, so I'm always really interested in those because it feels like a picture that's coming together from a huge pile of puzzle pieces. Have you ever put together a huge puzzle? Like you just you open the box and you dump all the pieces out on the table and they don't look like very much. They're just bits and pieces and fragments and, and looking at any single piece of it, it's kind of hard to make sense of what it even is. Like, is this piece a bird? Is this a building? Is this a part of a person's face? It's just so hard to tell when it's just one piece. But then you start finding matches and you start putting pieces together and it's like, oh, this piece goes there. And look, this is actually making a picture of a lighthouse or it's a beach or a tree or whatever. And then that helps you start to make sense out of some of the other pieces. Have you ever made progress on a puzzle? And as the picture starts to come together and then you have this moment, you're like, oh, wait, I saw another piece that goes here. I didn't know what it was, but now it makes sense. Where did I put that? And so that feeling of a puzzle coming together, that's what Matthew is doing. He's piecing together the Old Testament. And as this picture develops, we see that it's Jesus, that Jesus has been there the whole time, right under our noses, if only we knew how the pieces fit together. So as we read Matthew, keep an eye out for those pieces that are coming together And then just one last thing that I notice and uh, one thing that I always wonder about anytime it comes to Matthew 2. The wise men. Okay, what is the deal with the wise men? Usually I read this story honestly and I think, I don't really get it. Like, I don't understand quite what this is adding to the story. Like, other than that we can have these historically inaccurate nativity scenes with wise men um even though they traveled a great distance and they wouldn't really have been there in the stable uh you know when Jesus was an infant they would have showed up later in Jesus life when he was he was a little bit older um So, uh, you know, the whole Magi thing, like I, I don't always get it. They only, the Magi actually only appear in Matthew. Matthew is the only gospel writer who wants to include this detail about the wise men and their visit from the East. And, um, and I wonder since Matthew is the most Jewish of the gospels, is there something specific that he's trying to tell his Jewish audience? So I, I dug into that just a little bit. One interesting piece stood out to me. the Magi. they came from the East, as the text tells us. The audience uh, of the book would have clearly understood that the that these guys were pagan. They, these were not, you know, God-fearing, uh, you know, Jewish people um, traveling from the East and looking at stars and trying to take their direction from them. That is not a Jewish thing to do. Um However this whole star thing worked out, however a star can like lead a person to a region, I don't fully understand how that works. But uh, anyway about it, these guys came a long distance, like hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles uh, from whatever region would have been called the east. And so this took a long time. This was a a great investment of their time and energy. They came to worship a king in a distant land, a king of a distant people, and then they brought gifts, the kind of gifts that you would bring to a king. This was an expensive and time-consuming trip that they made. Now, there's a contrast here, because do you know who didn't make the trip? Do you know who didn't bring gifts and who did not honor the new king? the Jewish priests and the Jewish teachers, the Jewish scholars who were only a few miles away. And and actually they're the ones who knew exactly where the Messiah should be born. Maybe the point of including the story is to show how the Jewish leaders, the ones who learned the scriptures, the ones who studied it, the ones who should have known better, they're the ones who are going to miss the point. They should have known best what the puzzle was going to look like when it came all together. And yet they are the ones who are going to miss Jesus and the ones who you would least expect. They're the ones who are going to find him. And we're only in chapter two of Matthew, but what do you think the chances are that that picture is going to hold true through the rest of the gospel? So what does that really mean for us? The main thing for me is that I don't, I don't want to miss Jesus I don't want to get so wrapped up into each of individual piece that I miss out on the whole picture. In the New Testament, time and again, it was the religious people who were most likely to miss Jesus. The religious people already had an image in their mind of what Jesus was going to look like. And so when the puzzle pieces started to look like something different, they, they missed it. Religious people still do this today. Instead of letting Jesus lead and building our picture of Jesus from the pieces that the Bible is piecing together, we come to it with our preconceived ideas of what he should look like, what he should be doing. And we throw away all the pieces that look like they're not going to fit. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that as we read the book of Matthew together. What about you? What do you think that the Bible is revealing about Jesus in this text? And how does that inform how we're going to follow him differently? let's pray together. God, I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss out on Jesus. I don't want to miss out on what you're trying to say. And so would you speak to us through your text, speak to us through your word and help us to understand the picture that you are painting of who you are and what you've done and who we should be as a result in your name. Amen.